And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Well, this month and next, South Dakota regulators are holding hearings about proposed underground pipelines that would carry carbon dioxide for underground storage. Environmental groups with concerns about the approach are keeping a watchful eye. This month, the Public Utilities Commission hears testimony on a permit application from Navigator CO2, which wants to include South Dakota in a multi-state pipeline moving carbon emissions from agriculture facilities for underground storage in Illinois. Guy Larson with the Sierra Club's South Dakota chapter says they remain leery of those large-scale efforts to decarbonize ethanol production. The Sierra Club sees the whole process as another way to extend the life of fossil fuels. Opponents also worry about damage to farmland and potential pipeline ruptures. Project officials tout environmental and economic benefits and insist there will be strong safeguards. Hearings on a similar proposal from Summit Carbon Solutions are scheduled for next month. That project calls for carbon to be stored underground in North Dakota, but regulators there just rejected Summit's citing permit. Now, Summit plans to reapply, but North Dakota regulators noted in its first application the company failed to show that key elements of the project would produce minimal adverse effects on the environment and the public. Larson suggests those same questions remain as South Dakota's proceedings move forward. We have a lot of concerns about the safety, about what happens to it after the life of this program, about whether or not the sequestration is actually a viable way to dispose of the carbon dioxide. Complicating matters are emerging federal incentives for carbon capture that are helping to spur private ventures like these. But opponents say because of the unknowns, more emphasis should be placed on transitioning to renewable energy. The Public Utilities Commission in South Dakota is expected to continue Navigator's permit hearing on August 24th. Hearings for the summit project begin on September 11th. A two-year investigation by journalist Tina Vasquez found that H-2A program for guest farm workers is plagued by rampant allegations of wage theft, labor trafficking, and abuse. Statistics already show that farm workers are some of the lowest paid workers in the labor force. A large majority are Latino, mostly from Mexico, and 40% are undocumented. Vasquez thinks agricultural workers should be protected under the Fair Labor Standards Act. Agricultural workers don't have very basic things in place that we take for granted as American workers, like overtime pay, rest breaks, water or shade breaks. These are still pretty basic things that they're fighting for in various states. In 2021, a federal organized crime task force known as Operation Blooming Onion alleged conditions akin to modern-day slavery, where Mexican and Central American workers were illegally trafficked to South Georgia farms and forced to dig up onions by hand, sometimes at gunpoint. California has some of the strongest worker protections in place, but rules are lax in many other states. So Vasquez says she'd like to see federal legislation on farm worker rights and immigration reform. I don't think that there's a lot of political will to make those changes because as things stand now, it's American employers who have a lot to gain from how the system currently operates. The investigation revealed many undocumented workers are threatened with deportation if they speak out against labor conditions. The U.S. Department of Labor does have a new program that allows undocumented workers who are being threatened to apply for deferred action status and stay in the country legally while their cases are being investigated. 
At the 38th International Sweetener Symposium, U.S. Department of Agriculture Deputy Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation Gloria Montano-Green thanked sugar producers for collaborating on climate-smart agriculture while acknowledging the numerous challenges sugar producers face. Deputy Undersecretary Montano-Green assured the industry that USDA is supportive of sugar producers. USDA is focused on making tough decisions to balance support for domestic producers with the demands of the sugar market. She also oversees the USDA Sugar Loan Program as well as the Disaster Relief and Risk Management Programs critical to American farmers, including sugar beet and sugar cane producers. U.S. sugar beet and sugar cane farmers are navigating increasingly uncertain weather and market conditions, while sugar beets and sugar cane are resilient, effective risk management tools are essential given the exposure to hurricanes, freezes, and frequent and more intense droughts and excess rainfall. Well, American Farm Bureau Federation's Promotion and Education Committee on Tuesday of last week announced a collaboration with Culinary School Escoffier. Committee Chairman Darren Westergaard says AFBF and Escoffier will collaborate on farm-to-table cooking events, annual convention, and other projects. It is a collaboration between the AFBF PE Committee as well as the Escoffier Culinary Arts School. It will be used to help bridge the gap for consumers between field support and help our members to have the tools that they need to share their story and do so the story of agriculture. Westergaard says the partnership brings together culinary arts and agriculture. It makes sense for those that grow the food to be able to help teach the ones that help prepare the food. I see it educating, it's engaging, that will hopefully help members and the culinary arts students do what they need to do. And Westergaard says he's excited to see where the collaboration will go in the future. It's exciting to be able to partner and collaborate with those that prepare the food and to those that are growing food. It's going to be exciting to see what can come out of this collaboration in the future. It's in its baby steps right now, but it'll be fun. You can learn more online at fb.org. Also here on American Ag Today, a few consecutive dry weeks are giving crops in Iowa varying degrees of drought stress. An Iowa State University Extension expert says there hasn't been much measurable rainfall for as many as three weeks in many areas. Prior to that dry spell, Iowa had been getting just enough rain at times to get by. Much of the dry weather came when corded soybeans entered their reproductive stages, which is when those crops need rain the most. A quarter soybean crop typically needs 20 inches of moisture from rainfall and subsoil moisture to produce a crop. However, ISU expert Gentry Sorensen told Successful Farming, quote, we had a couple of counties that didn't get any substantial soil moisture recharge through this year, end quote. Now, over 17% of Iowa's acres are abnormally dry, while 52% of the state is in D1 moderate drought. D2 severe drought is impacting 26% of the state. And finally, a new bipartisan bill introduced in Congress looks to expand access to dairy products for all program recipients. The legislation would amend the Healthy Milk Fluids Incentive Program and allow SNAP recipients to get more products like yogurt and cheese. The bill, introduced by Jim Costa and Nick Langworthy, is intended to boost dairy intake and support U.S. dairy farmers. 90% of Americans don't get enough dairy in their diet. Food Navigator says the bill is endorsed by the International Dairy Foods Association, National Milk Producers Federation, and the National Grocers Association. The bill's title says it aims to amend the Food and Nutrition Act of 2008 to establish a dairy nutrition incentive program. The IDFA says the new Dairy Incentives Program Act will enhance the HFMI program's scope by adding whole and reduced fat milk, cheese, and yogurt. 
Michael Dykes of IDFA says milk, cheese, and yogurt are nutritional powerhouses. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.